No credentials. Reviewing Rolling Stone 500. Greatest album. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast again. And today we are discussing album number 27 on the new 2020 Rolling Stone list. It's a new review for us this time. It is Enter the Wu Tang 36 Chambers, an album by the Wu Tang Clan. Shaolin shadow boxing and the Wu Tang sword style. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu Tang could be dangerous. Do you think your Wu Tang sword can defeat me? On guard, I'll let you try my Wu Tang style. Go space, catch the blast of a hype burst. My clock burst, leaving a hearse. I did worse. I come rough. And just a really quick reminder for everyone, our conversation will be quite clean, but we will play some music in the background, which could have some uh, language that may be offensive to some. And I'm probably not going to edit any of the lyrics to the song that's playing in the background. So uh, just if you have little ones that might be sensitive to that, or if you are, just be cautious as you continue. We're not going to use the kids, kids bop version. Please tell me that's real, and I'll put some of it on for sure when I edit this. I haven't looked. Um, uh, I'm sure they made something. It's got to be out there, right? No. <laughs> Kids Bop Wu-Tang? I don't think anybody's made that. <laughs> I don't know how you would. That's like Kendrick Lamar Kids Bop. I don't, just don't think it exists. Everyone listening, if you've listened to this, you know that this is an album that we're not going to be familiar with. So should right. we just, just enter the Wu-Tang right now and get into some details? I think so. I think um, this is a disclaimer. I think the hardest thing for me is to not uh, compare this to the other rap and hip-hop albums we've tackled mm-hmm. so far. And so I'm, I'm hoping that I can hold this review up on its own and not just say every time i open my mouth but it doesn't feel like this part on this album or this thing <laughs> just uh treat it as its own <laughs> yeah and that will be a challenge for both of us because yeah. that's really some of the only points of familiarity we have is the right, albums that right. we've reviewed recently yeah um some of them are similar and, yeah. uh, but some of them are not at all yeah so i i agree with you i think i'm gonna try not to do that but i think mm-hmm. we'll do that a little bit and that's okay probably yeah okay detail time absolutely details 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 so this album was released november 9th 1993 it was the debut album for this group uh i think for many of the members too it was their debut yeah and it's interesting the um the track on the album that where they all kind of introduce each other uh mm-hmm. there's this like it really does feel like you're sort of sitting at the table with them as they sort of get ready to take over the world like this really right. does feel like we're about to take off some of them were i think were well known in their kind of community mm-hmm. or in the rap uh, spheres that they were in i think nationally maybe not as well not all of them yeah, so sure. i think it was kind of a 
they were making a pretty big deal of it as they entered kind of the, <laughs> yes. the realm and, and they made a big splash for sure. Um, we'll talk about that. So this was, was written by a lot of different people, but the production credits are mostly given to uh, the RZA. Uh, that's Robert Fitzgerald Diggs, also known as uh, Prince Rakim. Can I take a moment just to read all his nicknames on the wiki page? <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, Prince Rakim, Bobby Steels, Ruler Zig Zag Zig Allah, Prince Delight, The Abbot, Bobby Digital, Bobby Dynamite, Resurrector, Bobby Boulders. Those are some great handles. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, I know that that really doesn't have anything to do with anything, but when you got that many cool nicknames, got to read through them. Um, I hope some someday someone will call me something cool like Mikey Boulders. Uh, anyways, um, the RZA, he really is the mastermind behind most of this. And there's very little, if any, uh, live instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Mostly programming and sampling. And, and he was doing most of that. Um, it charted uh, number 41 on the US Billboard 200, uh, which... I think it's not bad considering uh, hip hop, especially this type of hip hop, was still very new. Yeah, and it wasn't um, ugh, mainstream enough or clean enough to be really in the mainstream. So right. I think it did well to to climb up that high. Uh, number eight on the hip hop R and B album. So there's still a lot of other hip hop that was more popular than this. Uh, it sold around three million copies in the U.S. to date. Uh, just a few notes on the creation of the album. Uh, be- because the Wu-Tang Clan was made of nine members, each of whom has four chambers in their hearts, the album was titled The 36 Chambers. Uh, enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. And also, the group enjoyed watching uh, Kung Fu films, and you'll, if you listen to it, you'll hear samples uh, of audio, yeah. dialogue from these uh, <laughs> old kung fu movies which i think is actually really cool it, it's yeah. kind of neat they'll have before a song just kind of a bit of dialogue between a couple characters uh of course they're in a lot of those films like they're overdubbed too so it's particularly campy but i think it fits very well mm-hmm. um uh, so the first part of the title comes from bruce lee's enter the dragon a very famous bruce lee film whereas the second part comes from the 78 kung fu film the 36 chamber of shaolin so they put those two things, and it's the 36 Chambers, which has to do with their nine members. And you can read, I'm not going to talk about it, but can you read how numbers, how they use numbers and math a lot in the imagery, um, in their in their lyrics? We might touch on that a little bit later, but, but they do use that a lot. And there's a philosophy in Kung Fu that they adopted as well about numbers and nine and all this stuff, which is, which is really cool, actually, that... There's a lot of reference to other things that were popular in this genre, you know, um, criminal activity, uh, gun culture, uh, sexuality, drug culture. Uh, But then there's also this other philosophical thing, too, which is different than some of the other things we've listened to from this era. (laughs) Yeah, that they've got this separate thing connected to it, which is really interesting. There is this, um, I mean, the, you mentioned the um, movie clips that uh, intro a lot of the album. But that, that's where their name comes from, too, right? The yeah. Wu-Tang is uh, drawn from a, the oh, film yeah, Shao, yeah, yeah. Shaolin and Wu-Tang. So, like, they, right. they yes. like Kung Fu enough not only to name their album after it, but to name themselves after that's it, right. too, which is uh, r- really fascinating. Yeah, the whole the intro to the album, I think, is a clip from a movie where they're talking about 
or it might not be the album, but one of the songs talking about the Wu Tang style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Really cool. Really, really just a, a neat aspect of it. And I, I wonder too, like um, this is maybe jumping ahead to how it sounds, but there's, there's a, a back and forth kind of aggression throughout the album. I wonder sometimes if that's fueled by the sort of like Kung Fu, uh, it's us against them kind of <laughs> uh, persona that they're building here. Um, and especially like, you know, they're leaning in heavily as the debut album <laughs> to say, this is who we are. I, I imagine that there's some um, correlation here to think about the similarities between Kung Fu and especially in those movies was usually one-on-one and the genesis of, of a lot of the hip hop movement in the, 80s which was underground uh hip-hop battles which was always one-on-one yeah one versus one and i think you hear a lot of that tossing back and forth they're not necessarily battling on this album because they're all all in one group together but you still get that battle back and forth one versus one yeah yeah push and pull i feel that too as well and i think there's a lot of influence there i'm not sure how that became popular in this culture but i get a sense that it wasn't just this group that in a lot of their culture and uh, community that those cult- older cultural references were really popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the album cover. Um, I am not extremely familiar with album covers from this era, hip-hop albums of the early 90s. Uh, so I don't really know what to do with this one in terms of comparing it to others. Uh, what if we just start by saying what it is? <laughs> well, yeah, of, co- of course I will. Um, it's so blurry to me, Ben. I, I, yeah. I have a hard time finding a focal point. Uh, please Google it right now if you, if you haven't. Um, half of it's almost black, but there's a bunch of very shadowy characters. And it's like they have hoodies on. I think they all have maybe a, a hoodie with their crest on the chest. But they're, they have like a, a white like head sock over their faces yeah. you can't see their faces um and you could see in the back there's like a curtain and there's their symbol like that kind of hawk or eagle uh, that looks like a w which is the wu-tang symbol is is projected or hanging at the back of uh this room and how those i don't know if those are candles or chairs <laughs> i i just don't understand what's going on but you do get kind of the the kung fu the the clan like it is a clan like these sh- kind of shadowy figures i don't know i don't know if it's like an iconic image to people who grew up with this i don't really know what to make of it what do you make of it yeah i think it well a couple of things that logo of theirs did really become like i don't know just a pop culture that's for sure absolutely 100 percent. and i think just because this was their debut i'm guessing for a lot of people this is considered to be um iconic in in some sense yeah uh the i did i was able to find an article um in which they interviewed the guy who shot this image oh okay he, he, he apparently um did album covers for a lot of uh artists at the time and um when someone reached out to him and said hey we've got this album coming out from a debut group he's like what are they like and and they said well uh they're pretty ridiculous. They're pretty crazy. Um, we're not sure that you're going to be able to contain them. And he was like, oh boy, what am I getting myself into? And um, he said they just sort of like 
they were they were crazy when he tried to take a you know like get them to sort of stand still they were always moving always <laughs> shifting and so i think the album cover is blurry but it does right. depict chaos in a way yeah and movement um, and movement and so mm -hmm. I, it makes me kind of wonder you know was this the the best image or was it actually representing how the photographer experienced them right he he talks a little bit about the um the sort of mask hoodie wearing tried to combine kind of the street culture with the kung fu, yeah, uh, okay, culture uh, that they were that they were trying to blend in who they were. Um, but you know, even if you're doing that, you still would have the option to sort of take a clear picture, and he did not, right? <laughs> it's uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's really fascinating. I, I it seems like an intentionality and. Uh, Yep, I, that makes total sense to me. Yeah, if the image is not iconic, and I'd say it probably is, certainly the the album is, you know, mm. and is is of one of the first great hip hop albums from that from the era. Yeah, for sure, hundred yeah. percent. Well, this this is an interesting sort of pull quote. He uh, retrospectively, the artist is looking back on this, and we should point out his name too. Uh, Daniel Hastings is the uh, artist okay. who, who took the picture. He talks about how much confidence and almost arrogant swagger the, mm. the group had. They were mm -hmm. still relatively unknown, although um, Protect Your Neck was already getting sort of like club right. credibility. Mm -hmm. um, but he says, like, in hindsight, this is an era before any kind of streaming music. Right. Uh, and these guys are brand new. And they choose intentionally not to show their faces on the album cover. Like he's looking huh. back on it now. He's like, what kind of arrogance did they have to think like, it doesn't matter if you see us, we're going to be enormous. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and to just sort of like kind of have that swagger as you get, you know, even the blurriness, like, so <laughs> like, um, it doesn't, in some sense, it doesn't even matter what we put on this. We're going to be huge. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's a fascinating kind of dynamic of of who they are, I guess. Yeah, and that's a good um, kind of segue into talking about the tracks. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Protect Your Neck because I couldn't necessarily say I knew any of the songs, but there were a few that felt familiar, and that was one of them. And that, to me, was the one that I think has maybe some of the most throwback to kind of the late 80s hip-hop like again something we've listened to but public enemy it's got yeah. that feel where some of the other ones feel a little more modern or mm -hmm. relative to the time um with the beats and just the samples and the stylings of it uh, protect your neck has kind of the high-pitched yep uh sireny sample yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 that for sure it definitely makes me think of um flavor flav oh yeah not as many boys in this no, album, though. Not quite. No. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was uh, one that was familiar. Uh, any anything familiar to you as you listen? Again, this is we grew up around some hip hop, but didn't really intentionally listen to a lot of it. Yeah, I was um, a bit surprised at how little I knew. I assume, oh, okay. given how significant this album was, that and I remember, like, even though I wasn't into this music, I do remember. <laughs> That it was big enough to trickle into 
our rural uh, Canadian existence. Like I remember people at school talking about Wu Tang Clan, right? As if you know, <laughs> the rural bus routes that we lived along were were worthy of like uh, <laughs> being in a hip hop clan or posse. C R E A M or cream or cash moves everything around me. Um, Cash rules everything around me. Sorry. Yeah, that's um, it. Is a very very familiar song, and I don't know okay. how. I'm trying to remember if it would have been like yeah. in a movie that I uh, that I was really into at some point in my life, or if it was just that big of a song. I mean, if you look at the Spotify plays today, most of the album is is over 10 million listens. But right. that track has 205 million listens. So wow. like, it wow. is significantly more played than anything else that, that came from this album. Wow. Uh, so, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I need to do a bit of a huh. Wikipedia deep dive to see <laughs> where it occurred in pop culture. Yeah, that one was familiar to me as well. That That's definitely my favorite on the album. Uh, really sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, in my opinion, it's got the best beat, uh, the best sample. Yeah, it's really good. I remember um, I've referenced before. I watched a lot of much music. I think in '96 or '97, the time I would have started watching is when they their second album came out. Okay, I remember a few things from that, but I think occasionally they would play some of these previous songs. Uh, chess mystery of chess boxing. I remember that, um, at least by name. Oh, okay. Uh, that occasionally they play that video, and yeah, I don't remember Cream by name, but it, it again, it's very familiar, very familiar, hmm. and so catchy. Yeah, it really is. I I wonder if it's been used in um, like I'm thinking about. I don't think this was the track that was used, but did you watch the movie Office Space? Um, yep. There's like a you know oh. like <laughs> suburban white guy moment where they take the uh, the copier out to a field and bash it with baseball bats, and there's like yes. a, a hip hop track playing in the background, and you know I I would I don't think that it's it's that track, but um, there's a sound to that track. <laughs> that I think immediately places you in like nineties hip hop that I'm guessing has been used. Um, yeah, in, I think so in movies and TV to like just draw people back to that era. The interesting thing about this album and, and we can talk more about specific tracks if you want, Mike, but I find myself being drawn more to the aggressive attitude of the album mm. Mm. And the uh, and the sort of like way that the uh, especially the rapping is projected at the listener than any of the tracks individually. Like I think they're really mm. working at creating an attitude and a a posture here with this, and that to me is like bigger than the music in in some sense. There are tracks like Cream that I do like, but there's an aggression here that that for me takes over the music and it's even bigger than the songs yeah i would agree with that 
I found it a little jarring at times. More so, I guess, with the the actual content of the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, but the, there is that feeling of aggression, words you, you used previously like confidence, arrogance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is just such, it is straight out in your face, like like 100%. Yeah. Here's who's who we are. Here's here's what we're about. Um, and uh, lead follower, get out of the way. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that definitely comes across. I want to take one step back. Um, and sometimes we talk about, you know, kind of what our expectations. I kind of jump past mm, this. Yeah, right? yeah. But my, my, my expectation of this, just knowing a little bit about the group and the sound and really not much at all, just that it would be very... I, I used words like hard, heavy, mm-hmm. perhaps violent, and and perhaps vulgar. I think all those things met my expectations. <laughs> that it was it was all of those things, not always violent, but sometimes very violent, and not always vulgar, but sometimes very vulgar. And again, the beats are hard. It's not. I think cream is like a little lighter. Yeah. And and some of them protect your neck is a little lighter. They just bounce a little a little mm-hmm. easier. Other ones are just the beats are just very very hard yeah i'm down very heavy and and the lyrics are kind of shouted at you yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh, the other amazing thing is that some of the tracks feature all nine members yeah. <laughs> going through you know they're each taking portions of a verse and as much as that can be a little i don't know can can be a lot to process listening through also it can be really great to hear to just to hear the diversity in the delivery of of the rhymes their style of rhyming the tone of their voice the delivery um the way they all enunciate in a different way from someone like method man who's very deep and smooth some of the other guys a little more high pitched then you've got uh, uh a name i remember for sure odb mm-hmm. <laughs> old dirty bastard <laughs> from uh who had an uh, i won't i won't talk about his other nicknames cuz they were bad <laughs> um but he's got this shaky almost sing-songy yeah. <laughs> spooky voice kind yeah. of thing going on which is like so unique and i think that he actually did very well with that listening to it now um, i don't feel like it ages very well <laughs> with yeah. kind of the way that hip-hop has evolved you get more of like method man and, and think about the other guys who've come along uh okay the next year like uh, biggie yeah so smooth yeah just flowing very very smooth rhythmically not always super low pitch sometimes high pitch but but more like method man which is very mm-hmm. smooth mm-hmm. uh very slick and odb just a totally different i don't think there's really been anyone not in the mainstream that i'm familiar with like him since yeah uh, uh and fortunately passed i think around 2004 they all all that to say they they all come up all nine of them and i thought well nine you know you're not going to be able to tell the difference between nine <laughs> guys rapping here but they all have such a unique and distinct yeah. delivery it's it's quite incredible actually i like what you said though about like watching hip-hop evolve and i guess in hindsight mm-hmm. we get that opportunity here a little bit yeah. especially with this project we know when things came out right so we know that this was um about five or six years before or after public enemies it takes a nation mm-hmm. of millions and yeah um, notorious big comes out the next year um it it is a placeholder and you can hear at times the bridge back to that older uh recording and the bridge forward to some of the stuff that was certainly influenced by it um 
yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting. But there is a uh, a vibe here that doesn't feel like anything that we've tackled so far. Yeah. A game of chess is like a sword fight. You must think first before you move. Again, I keep going back to sort of a posturing that mm-hmm. that really is intentionally aggressive uh, even in terms of like you know some of the more candid moments that are included uh aside from the music uh you talked about violence like uh yeah like just like the most uh crass ways of um of destroying a human being right right yeah <laughs> included the, here uh, it, yeah. in some ways just to be tough it doesn't seem like it's like talking about taking down uh uh, systems of oppression or or power or wealth it's just like we're gonna take down the people we don't like and uh, right <laughs> i don't yeah. always know what to do with that kind of like overt yeah. overt, overt aggression <laughs> within the music and, and boy i said this in the intro they didn't want to do this but it feels very different than uh the the rap and hip-hop that we've tackled so far on this list in that regard if if there's similarity it's of what we've reviewed so far on this podcast, it's more similar with, with Kanye kind of Kanye, just most of the album stroking his ego kind of showing off. Yeah. This is not necessarily that, but just being so overtly confident. Yes. Not necessarily trying to make any stark political statement. I'm not saying there are no political statements Mm -hmm. on this album, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel like that's the intent certainly is the intent on, you know, it takes the nation of millions certainly is the intent on to pimp a butterfly uh to make a few very stark political statements aimed at very specific groups of people or very specific situations yeah i don't hear that here i'm not saying it doesn't exist and they do touch on some issues i know that i read that uh the track tears is about some personal experiences uh that that are quite serious Mm -hmm. um you know, so they do touch on some of that, but it's not, I don't think, quite as overt as some mm-hmm. of the other mm-hmm. albums we've reviewed. What about a favorite track, Ben? Uh, if you're new to this, we, we do have a Spotify playlist uh, called Sound Logic Favorites. And every time we review an album, we pick two tracks to go on that playlist. So, uh, Ben, what's your favorite? What would you put on that? Well, man, I'm a little bit hesitant to pick this one um, because it starts out with some of that aggressive violence that we were talking about. But the 11th track, Tears, with a Z or Z, depending on which side of the border you're on. (laughs) um, uh, I really like the sampling. There's like a, I I actually don't know where it's from, but uh, uh, sort of like. Uh, 50s, 60s kind of doo-wop track sampled at the beginning. And I like the way that that plays with... It's a very sort of sweet, multi-voice, a cappella female group. And that sort of held up in contrast with the aggressive rapping that follows is, is, I don't know, kind of neat. And I like like that sort of uh, paradox, I guess. Um, Right, yeah. And I kind of like the 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 sound of that track too um i think cream is the track that stands out the most to me and the one like if if, if i ever put this on again 
and I'm not <laughs> sure that I will. I'll probably go back right. to that one. But but Tears yeah. stands out to me, I think, for for whatever reason. So I think that's my choice. That works well because I'll definitely pick Cream then if you're picking. Oh, perfect. Else. <laughs> that, that, that. It's kind of it's the one I would come back to for sure. Uh, Protect your neck is good. Uh, Mystery chess boxing is good, um, and his other other ones good. But Cream, I think is again is one is most familiar, yeah, and two just kind of, I guess what I have in my mind of this mm-hmm. era or even this group. They're on that playlist now. Uh, Awesome. Which just keeps growing longer every time we do one of these. So, uh, go yeah, ahead I guess it could be out. like uh, quite a jump to go from, if you got it on shuffle, go from like a an early Beatles track to yeah. Tears. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. We've talked about kind of the evolution of hip hop music from before this to after this. But in general, would you say that this album is still relevant as a whole? What? amongst kind of all the music today boy i think i felt fairly ignorant every time we've tackled this question on a rap and hip-hop album mm. um i want to say yes it it certainly feels like a bridge like i mentioned before i think i can hear stuff that comes after it and stuff that that came before and i like that that sort of uh part of my knowledge canon now includes this album i think the uh, i don't know much about uh, rap and hip hop's trajectory, but the idea of sort of a super group forming and and taking over the world <laughs> is a is a really neat sort of narrative to go on with the album, and um, just the sort of like audacity to to have that swagger in an era where I I'm guessing it was much harder to like just get noticed in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. All of those things combined make me think that like for its for its uh, historic um, contributions, it has to be uh, relevant. Um, I think it, you know, like a lot of the stuff we've tackled so far, it certainly certainly sounds dated in its relevancy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's both of those things at the same time. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's relevant. I struggle with this um, because, again, I feel extremely ignorant. Yeah when it comes to answering this question for hip hop, because I, I can't really say, because I don't know what's, what is trendy right now mm-hmm. <laughs> in hip hop. Uh, however, I, I will reference a couple of things. Number one, uh, when we listen to Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly, which came out in 2015, which is, as of right now, six years ago, I expected it, and I don't know why I expected it, I expected it to be a little familiar, meaning yeah. to sound a little bit like this, or at least maybe some of the hip-hop that I knew from the early 2000s, yeah. and it wasn't yeah. at all. Right. Like it was so, I was like, oh, this is what hip-hop sounds like now, and in quotations I put now, which is like five, six years ago. <laughs> um, but that, to me, one, shows how much I don't know about what hip-hop sounds mm-hmm. like now, and mm-hmm. two, shows how much it really has changed and how a lot of that isn't really relevant anymore at least not maybe yes as a building block but not as relevant to how it's currently made Mm -hmm. that's number one number two i feel like i'm learning young people the people who are consuming new music the most aged you know 14 to 25 i think forget 
or don't know about old music uh, at a much quicker rate than we did. Um, I think music. I think music. You're disappeared. sounding very old when you say that. <laughs> I I think that music disappears faster than it used to. Hmm. I think that when you have CDs in the house, records in the house, tapes in the house, being passed around, they're there. But when they can just get deleted or shuffled in the bottom of a playlist or lost on an old hard drive from your last computer or last mp3 player people don't really have those anymore but or on your last phone even Mm -hmm. if it's not in the cloud which probably is i think music gets forgotten faster Hmm. uh one of the examples i'll give is you and i have watched uh, a youtube channel um, that you showed me and that I've continued to watch from time to time. I really enjoyed called twins, the new trend. And it's these two, um, brothers, twins, mm-hmm. uh, young black men in their early twenties, who I assumed from their appearance, the way they dress and some of the posters on their wall in their room, that they are very much into current hip hop music and culture. Mm-hmm. And I think that they are based on some of the things they've talked about. I would then have assumed that somebody into that would be familiar with the history. What they do is review all sorts of music across every genre, but they also review tons of hip-hop, early hip-hop, and very many times they'll listen to an old hip-hop group like Wu-Tang or Public Enemy, and they'll start by saying, we've never heard this before, or we've never heard of this group before. And I've gone, wait. You guys are into hip hop and you haven't heard of X? You know, I'm surprised because I would assume. Now, these are just two guys. Yeah. But I think that because of their age, you know, they're American. I'm not sure from what state. But I think that probably they can represent at least a percentage of their demographic, of their, uh, and I'm mostly I'm referring when I say demographic, of their youth, (laughs) not, not their race of your their youth Mm -hmm. that people consume music in this way they don't need the history and all the music is at their fingertip ben when you and i used to go to a music store and are going to spend our hard-earned money 20 bucks yeah on a new album we wanted (laughs) to know about that group right it's very rarely that you and i would have bought a cd blind and i did a few times and majorly regretted um (laughs) right Right? You yes. didn't do that. You had to know and you wanted to know about it. You might have researched it. You might have had mm-hmm. other groups. Now it doesn't you can download stuff for free, rip stuff off the internet, listen to whatever you want. If you don't like it, you delete it. So yeah. I think there's I think there's a portion because I wanted to say initially, thinking about this, this is relevant because it's so significant. Because of I think of the popular genre that has come out of out of it. I mean, it's still hip hop, but it's very, very different. Yeah. I don't think there's the same allegiance or or need to learn about the building yeah. blocks of it. And I think modern rock would be exactly the same as this. It wouldn't be any different. But we grew up learning a lot yeah. about it and continue to. I, I don't think it is as relevant because I don't think there's a need for people listening to the current music to go back and listen to this. As, as important as it is, I don't yeah. think it's necessarily... Yeah relevant right now i'll resonate with that um i think you're onto something there but i think in my mind at least it's more about a new type of filter so you're right we spent far more time getting into the music to make sure that our purchase was going to be a good one but 
I think today's Spotify rabbit trails mean you can go down pathways that you and I never could when we had to spend money in order to true to listen and so i think i think that's why you see an album like this that is held up by an older generation as being great having a very different kind of spotify listener uh counter right so uh those guys on the youtube channel probably won't ever listen to this album in its entirety but they're probably going to listen to cream because someone's going to tell them to and listening to Cream right. might take them to something else from from this era okay. of rap. Um, Fair enough. They might not spend much time with it if they listen once and they're like, oh, it's good, but not really my thing. And so I, I think what you're saying about like there's a potential for some of this stuff to be forgotten is absolutely true. But I also think that when there is truly greatness there, it still sort of rises to the top. It is the Cream. Sure. <laughs> and yeah. so yeah. you... You still yeah. get like, you know, I'm guessing, uh, you know, what was the 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 video that kind of made them go viral was uh, listening to Phil Collins when um, right. the drum the drum roll goes in. I'm guessing that song had a massive uh, digital streaming spike that week when that, when oh, that video yeah. came out. And so sure. the rest of that album, most people will never listen to. But right. for a moment. 20 somethings went and checked out one track from Phil Collins and like, <laughs> and suddenly considered him great for that one thing. Um, so, so yeah, I think you're right. I think there's, there's a lament in there about how we consume and maybe our, our, the thoughtlessness of our music consumption right now. I don't think that we've lost our ability to, to try new things or to sample from other eras I just don't think like our friend and uh, longtime listener Thomas Bona goes on these like deep dives where he listens to everything an artist right. ever made. Yeah. Like I don't think yes. that's happening these days. I think what happens oh. is you you chase a sound, and mm. and you if you like something you go to Pandora and you tell it to play you something that sounds like Cream or sounds like Phil Collins. Um, and it'll probably give you, you know, for the next two days or however long you're listening to that station, it'll give you similar sounding music from all over music's timeline. Um, and you may never even look at your screen to see what the artist is, but you'll hear that right. sound. Yep. So, so yeah, I, I, I think we're, we could probably write a book about this very, very moment <laughs> phenomenon, but I think there's it's both it we are yeah we're losing enough. an ability to to really go deep into an album but i think we're gaining a capacity to go deep w with all that's out there yeah yeah with anything <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no no well said well said ben good counterpoint well yeah i don't know that it changes our uh, reflection on this album <laughs> but uh, i I got a little preachy there for a moment. <laughs> oh, that is your that is your vocation or part of it. At times, one of them. yeah. on the left, to death. on the right, wow for the night. And it's interesting because some of this music that was uh, being made when we were young is now becoming that horrible three-letter word old. Yep. <laughs> uh, this yep. album yep. in two years, this album will be. 30 years old yeah and so that's <laughs> that's like the beatles when we were kids right yep yeah <laughs> yeah i uh a few Their weeks ago 30 I, years old 
few weeks ago, I posted a, a, a meme floating around that was talking about which albums were turning 50 here in, in, 2000, uh, in 2021. Right, yeah. And uh, I copied it off of a friend who is probably in his 50s and 60s now. And all of his peers were commenting it with this deep sadness and lament. Like none of them could believe that those, <laughs> those albums right. were as old as they are. Um, yeah. So you're right. I think it, there's this marker that happens when we, we start recognizing, oh my goodness, this is now classic and <laughs> part of right. another era. <laughs> because for, for much of our life, Ben, the, this album yeah. and any from its era was not old. It was right. relatively right. recent and now it is older. All of a sudden. <laughs> yep. You know, I think that makes that that conversation relevant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that you'll still hear these sounds in hip hop. But I, I guess I again, there's a lot of ignorance there too. Yeah. And probably will be as we answer this next question. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and that brings us to you know, was this position Sound Logic uh, number twenty seven, twenty seventh best album ever? What do you think, Ben? It's definitely not for me. I, I think the. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is this is maybe the uh, the whitest thing I've said on this podcast so far. But listening to this album makes me want to put on rumors, like something that's like <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more like just easy listening and uh, and uh, well, it's yeah, it's challenging, and not because the lyrics are like really complex or complicated, but because it it's like in my face in a way that I don't always like my music to be. And um, yeah, so I don't know how to put that on a list of great albums. It's just so intentionally jarring that uh, I I think it is going to turn off a significant portion of <laughs> the world's population when they listen to it. And and for that reason, it makes me wonder how it could possibly be considered great if it if it is so jarring. Um, right. It makes me think a little bit of um, Trout Mask Replica, uh, not for how weird it is, but but like an intentionally aggressively different sounding piece of work uh, meant to meant to sort of make you cringe at times. Uh, it can be it can be brilliant. Uh, it's just not going to be for everyone. And so, you know, can it possibly be great if that's the case? That was very white of you, by the way. <laughs> but it, I think for both of us, it pulls me out of my comfort zone. And yeah. yeah, there is kind of, after listening to it, kind of, oh, man, I really could use something I'm familiar with right now. Yeah. <laughs> Not because I didn't like it. It's just so different than what I listened to. Again, I feel like it's hard to, because I don't fully understand its impact and influence on hip hop throughout the years since it came out. But we know that hip hop today is still one of the if not the top genre there and influences yeah. every genre right yeah, now yeah and you'll hear it in every we've talked about that before i think that makes uh any influential early hip-hop album very very important and hence very quote great it still feels a little i hate saying this a little out of place mm -hmm. with some of the albums adjacent to it mm -hmm. however uh, we've also praised this list for being more diverse. So I, I don't want to lean mm -hmm. into that too much. I think if for no other reason than my unfamiliarity to it, I would bump it a little lower. 
and as some of the other albums we've talked about and will talk about soon that the sales were not quite as high as some of the other legendary albums we've discussed mm-hmm. i would put it a little lower however i do recognize that this was a very very significant album in early 90s hip-hop and has influenced many 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 artists that have become huge in hip-hop uh in the last couple decades uh i i understand why it's here and i think any of the reasons i would move it down would be quite personal and not factual or <laughs> rooted in in yeah. its influence so yeah. so i i really have no i don't think i could see putting it any higher but i also certainly could be persuaded to leave it where it is so mm. well said. not yeah not i'm, I'm not going to make a case to bump it down however uh this is the last time we'll be talking about wu-tang they do mm. not appear on this list according to the internet they released uh, another seven albums uh, the most recent being 2017 so still producing <laughs> albums to very recently uh, but none of them appear on this list uh, this album was on the original list uh, but very very low 386 in the first mm-hmm. version and 387 in the second version and bump all the way up uh 360 spots to number 27 (laughs) for this list so a huge riser but uh, alas there are no other albums so we (laughs) say um hello and goodbye to wu-tang all at once Um, yeah i'm guessing that the uh, members of the wu-tang clan do appear on this list some other places but i don't have the wisdom or awareness to know (laughs) where they might show up no, to, to know where they might show up on other albums. Oh, you mean uh, uh, as guests? As guests, yeah. Right. He's Raekwon's got an album, number 219. All right. built for Cuban links. Uh, the Jizza has uh, number 347, Liquid Swords. And Ghostface Killer, number 403, Supreme hmm. Clientele. Yes, there are a few. And I'm guessing a sprinkling throughout other albums as well. Oh, I'm sure there are guests on any of the other, um, or sorry, many of the other hip hop albums we listen to. There would be, yeah, there would be some. Well, I didn't expect quite that many to be, uh, <laughs> yeah. To be, uh, so yeah, a few other albums by members of the Wu Tang Clan. So we don't get to discuss the group, but we will discuss uh, some solo projects. That's cool. Any other closing comments before we wrap it up there, bud? <laughs> No, I think that's good for now. I'm looking forward to the next one. We've, uh, for the maybe the first time here so far, we've got a back-to-back new albums to review. So yeah, um, it is quite an adjustment to go from um, <laughs> the aggression here to the the smooth uh, jazz-like sounds of D'Angelo next. But um, that's what we've got coming in at number twenty-eight is his iconic album Voodoo which came out uh, seven years after this in right. 2000. That's right. As we've said, it's more uh, baby-making music. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Ben, thanks for this great conversation. It's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, I can't wait till next time. Yeah. Thank you for listening at home. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this, and we hope you'll join us next time here on the SoundLogic Podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, 
or through our SoundLogic podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.